Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. this morning, the first proper of the Mass, references several verses from Psalm 55. It begins around verse 16 and 17 saying, When I called upon the Lord, He regarded my petition. The full passage from what this little phrase is taken from reads, and in another translation it says, As for me, I will call out to God. And the Lord will deliver me. Evening and morning and noon, I complain and I moan, and he hears my voice. These verses about midway through the psalm actually um, repeat, it's a parallel, repeat what he says at the very beginning of the prayer, at the beginning of the psalm. And our introit includes this, the beginning at the end of the introit which says, Listen, O God, to my prayer. Do not ignore my appeal for mercy. Pay attention to me and answer me. I am so upset and distressed. I am beside myself. Now our introit this morning concludes at the end with uh, verse 22, uh, which is an admonition in the psalm in this prayer, and it also gives us a promise. It says, throw your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the godly to be shaken. As we read Psalm, this psalm, Psalm 55, we see the psalmist is obviously in great distress. He is under tremendous pressure, a crushing weight, which causes him to cry out, to lament, to complain, and he says, to moan. The Hebrew word here actually means to growl, to roar. It's a pounding uproar, a wailing, is the word that's used, that's translated as complaint and moan. The psalmist is clearly desperate in his distress. What does he do in his desperation? Does he become despondent, dejected, depressed? Does he sit down in his little mud puddle, give in to despair and self-pity? No, he does not. He calls upon the Lord. Others may give up, may give in to the temptation to succumb to self-pity and despair, but what does the psalmist do and teach us to do he says that others may despair, but, quote, as for me, as for me, which is to say others may do something different. Others may sit down in despair, but as for me, I will call out to God. 
And when I called upon the Lord, he says, he regarded my petition. When I called, when I called, when I called. What happens if we don't call? (laughs) Will God hear the petition that is never made? St. Augustine says, if faith fails, prayer dies. He goes on to say that the Apostle Paul, quote, shows us that faith is the source of prayer. That the river cannot run when the fountainhead is dry. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? We need help. All of us. Whether we realize it or not, we are assailed on all sides by many foes. Even by our own sin. Also by enemies from without. Enemies that seek to destroy us. And we are desperate. Whether we know it or not, we are desperate. What do we do? Do we sit down? Become dejected? Fall to despair and self-pity? Or maybe we go to Google and look for some answers to our problems. (laughs) We'll Google it. We used to say we take a pill so we don't perish. We're going to take a pill to find peace. That's also another answer. We're going to take a pill. Now we can say we go to Google. (laughs) Or do we make our complaint to God? Do we groan in prayer to the only one who is able to save us? As for me, the psalmist said, I will call out to God and the Lord will deliver me. Evening and morning and noon. I will complain, I will moan, because he hears my voice. Do you know who's praying this psalm, actually? Well, the psalmist, of course, yes, but someone else. Someone else, somebody really, really important, is also praying this psalm. Christ himself is praying this psalm. Yes, Jesus Christ, the very one who hears our cries and rescues us from our enemies, he is also praying this psalm while in great distress himself. Great distress and suffering. He is praying to his Father in heaven with loud moans and cries in his distress. You realize this is the psalm which also says, the part that we didn't read, this is the psalm that also says something you will recognize. Quote, It is not an enemy who insults me or else I could bear it. It is not the one who hates me, who arrogantly taunts me or else I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like me, my close friend, in whom I confided. We would share personal thoughts with each other in God's temple. We would walk together among the crowd. His words are as smooth as butter, and he harbors animosity in his heart. His words seem softer than oil, but they are really like sharp swords. Just before he gave him a kiss on the night of his betrayal. This is the psalm Jesus prayed as he endured the pain of betrayal from Judas. Maybe he prayed it in the garden, but he prayed these words. This is a Christological psalm. This is the utterance of the desperate, tormented Christ. If Jesus needed to pray in this way, to cast his burden upon his heavenly Father, if this is how the Savior of the world found strength and help in time of trouble, How much more do we need to cry out to God for help? Jesus prayed a lot. 
You want to be like Jesus. You pray a lot. We are reminded that we are to imitate him in this life of prayer. Every time we say an hour of the divine office, any hour of the divine office, and there are eight, we say a short little prayer right before the hour. Do you pay attention to that prayer? It's, it's, it's kind of a remarkable little prayer. It says, quote, O Lord, in union with that divine intention wherewith thou thyself didst offer thy praises to God while upon the earth. It's talking about Jesus' prayer life. The eternal Son praying to his heavenly Father. Praying through praises and praying in cries and moans for rescue from his Father. I now recite this office to thee, we say. This is our chief work. It is to pray, to cry out to God for help, to offer him thanksgiving and praise. This is what we are to be about. And if anything takes precedence over this, it is idolatry. If anything takes precedence over this, it is idolatry. That's what the primordial sin was in the Garden of Eden. And they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The essence of our sin, the sin of our parents, was basically, and this can be put in many different ways. We talk about the essence of that sin, many different ways, but this really gets to it. The essence of their sin was to take control of their lives apart from God. We call that pride, we call it idolatry, we call it many different things. But if you study, you study this, clearly this is the message, the theological message that we are to get from the story of their fall. Now, they knew, our first parents, they knew that even before they had sinned, when everything was good and, you know, peaches and cream, they're enjoying paradise, they were still in a state of vulnerability and danger, even then, before they sinned. And they felt a certain sense of insecurity, the insecurity of their condition. They felt it. And that's actually what the devil played on to entice them to take the fruit. They took it so that they could alleviate their insecurity, their vulnerability, and their danger. They tried to take control, take matters into their own hands. They were afraid. They felt vulnerable. And they wanted to resolve that insecurity. They wanted to fix it. So they're going to fix it themselves by eating of this tree. By the way, we don't have time to go into this, but that's what the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil means. It's the tree of control, where they could control things. Two things clearly indicate that they were in, in danger and vulnerable. First, God told them not to eat of this tree or they're going to die. What? Die? I mean, where did that come from? Why all the negativity? I mean, we're enjoying paradise here. Watch. Where, where is this coming from? There's no sin. Everybody's having a good time. The sun is shining. We're frolicking with the animals. And God comes out with his negativity right in the middle of all this. Where did that come from? There's danger. They are vulnerable. By the way, they are vulnerable by nature as being created. Vulnerable to the potentiality of not loving God. That's one vulnerability by nature. But there's a second one. 
Besides just the vulnerability to death and moving away from God towards non-being, secondly, Adam, and you have to read this in the original languages to understand this, and Adam is told to guard the garden. And we also know from other passages in Ezekiel and Isaiah and other things that it was a walled garden. The garden was protected by a wall, protective wall, and Adam was told not only to nurture, two things he was told, to nurture and to guard. Guard? Ooh, from what? From whom? Well, there's an enemy. There's somebody trying to get into the garden and cause you harm. Again, they are in paradise, but there is a threat. The threat of death, the possibility of death, and the threat from an enemy who is trying to get in. They are vulnerable and insecure. There is danger, even from the very beginning. So they have to trust God. They have to look to Him to keep them safe and secure, to meet their every need. But the devil plays on their insecurity, and he entices them to eat from the tree that will give them the power to secure themselves. That's the sin. And every sin, since, and every temptation that you face is a replay of that sin. So what's the anecdote? Prayer. Prayer. So what happens if you don't pray? What happens if you go to Google or a pill or sit in your little puddle? Pray. Turn to God. Don't murmur. Turn to God in faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.